Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. With me today, Sona is back. Hello. Just a quick note that we have obviously just started the Game of Thrones recap this week, House of the Dragon, which was very good, by the way. Uh, I mean, very good in the fact that it gives you exactly what you want if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Any criticisms you might have had in the past, you get <laughs> you get lots of sex, lots of action, <laughs> lots of dragons right out the gate. I feel like HBO kind of got burned a little bit by the negative reaction to the finale of Game of Thrones. And they're just like, we're going to give you exactly what you want. And uh, but it was good, too. I don't want to make it sound like it's Sit down and shut up. Exactly. Oh, and my favorite thing about it, too, is that when uh, and I don't know if this is going to persuade you to watch any of it, Sona, because you really don't have to know anything about it. It's a prequel. So Nothing could possibly persuade me to watch this. But go ahead. But uh, maybe just for people out there who might have been hesitant before. My wife's the type of person who needs to know like the relationship between every single character in a book. Like she'll struggle to get through like the early passages of a book and also with the show Game of Thrones because so many characters and families and hierarchies oh, get thrown out. She's just making it sound worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And uh, for her, she really struggled to get through it. And eventually she did get into the show, but it took her a really long time. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, if I read a book and it's like really dense, I'm like, I'm just going to push through it. And eventually the important stuff will just start clicking together in my head. And the reason I bring all this up is because if that was a hesitant thing for you in the past with Game of Thrones, this show, once again, just being like exclusively fan service for people who like the show. Here's these eight characters. They're the only ones you need to know about. It's like, <laughs> thank you very much. That's the all universe I- of people. <laughs> exactly. There's other characters, but these like basically they're putting like big exclamation points on top of these people. These are the four people that are going to matter for the next 10 episodes. <laughs> Anyway, so that is just to say that the show kicked off this week and we'll be covering it and uh, got huge ratings, massive ratings, which is uh, good for HBO, I guess. They're having a really rough time right now, so this is good for them. Uh, I don't know if you know about this, but with like Discovery merger, they've been like kicking shows off their platform. It sounds like they brought it on themselves. Oh my God. And they just like basically completed two movies, the Scooby-Doo sequel and this Batgirl movie, which collectively cost them almost $200 million. And they're just like, no, we're throwing them away and no one's ever going to see them. It's like, what Mm -hmm. is happening over there? What a disaster. But Chaos. At least they have one hit to fall back on. And I, I mean, that is upsetting for me, by the way, because a lot of the shows we cover here are HBO shows. I mean, HBO usually is a brand of, for uh, quality. Mm, yes, I agree. And HBO Max, these new HBO Max shows are all up in the air. And like, you know, Hacks, for example, uh, I watched Peacekeeper and I really enjoyed that. So a lot of these HBO Max shows that kicked off this year may not be coming back now. So it's you know trouble if you're a fan of those shows, I would say. Uh, also, I want to mention that, uh, you know, now we see more and more. I, and I'm trying to avoid these because I don't like spoilers. But now it's like I'm inundated constantly with uh, trailers for The Patient, which is coming next mm-hmm. week. And early reviews are mostly positive. But more interesting to me is that the negative reviews are literally like the opposite of the positive reviews. They say it's boring <laughs> instead of being action packed. They say it's dumb instead of being like very meaningful. So Can I'm I like, tell you something that I've yeah. noticed? And I'm not sure. sure if it bears through at all in this particular example. I think sometimes it depends on the age of the reviewer. Oh, I see. <laughs> that was the statement. I thought, yes, was, that, I thought was that was a lead higher <laughs> statement. Sometimes life experience yeah. and just, you know, what you go through and right. <laughs> understanding that things are not black and white. Um, it can really color your experience and how you relate to things. And I think younger people are very quick sometimes to dismiss things that don't quite add up, that don't quite make sense, that seem like, why would someone make this decision? That was a stupid thing to do. Um, <laughs> I saw that with the affair a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the people that dismissed it as, you know, 
being stupid and people being self-destructive and not seeing the depth in the characters. Uh, I feel like it came from people of a younger generation. Right. Whereas I think people who have been married for a while, whether they've actually been in that situation or not, could see how someone could be in that situation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I would say two things to that. One is <laughs> I'm not going to defend the affair, although I thought the first couple of seasons. I love it. It had that one season that should go in the trash and never be seen again. But the rest <laughs> of it, I adore it. And I did not see the end. So I don't know if they landed it or not, because that season, the one you're speaking of, was so terrible that. Yeah, no, it was really bad. And I, wa I watched it through and I, you know, I, I'm the type of person that if I get like halfway into a season, then I have to finish it. But then I'm like, I will never come back. I, I, I suffer through it for just so I can say. <laughs> you know, be confident in my decision uh, as opposed to Kim. She just basically, she thought she was like three episodes in and she's like, I don't want to watch this show anymore. <laughs> and she just gave up. Fair. on. <laughs> but we did love the first few seasons. And to your point, uh, you know, I did. So on, on the one hand, I wanted to kind of uh, attack the show, but I did want to agree with what you're saying to some extent where I see that all the time narrative is so powerful that oftentimes I feel younger viewers are watching the show and they are judging it based on other genre shows they've seen in the past. Oh no, I'm by, I'm basing it on life experience, and I'm like, this is exactly yeah, as stupid I mean, as people are in real life. Yeah, know? listen, sometimes people just differ. I'm not saying that all the time when people like something they're older and hate something they're younger. Sometimes there really are, you know, pros and cons, and depending on who you are, you're gonna like different things and hate different things. I'm not saying it's every time, but that is an example of where I saw it happen. I think. Younger people give less leeway for nuance and allowing things to develop and, and all of that. And I think older people are more like, mm, yeah, seems right. <laughs> this could definitely happen. <laughs> exactly. And I have a recommendation for you at the end of this that uh, ties lightly into this actual show that I think you will really like. And it's very ironic, given everything you're just saying, because it is about millennials but it is incredibly critical in the exact way that you said, and it's a very entertaining mm -hmm. movie. So I'll, Okay, can't I'll, wait to hear. I'll save it to the end. Coming this fall, only murderers in the building. That's very good. I wrote that. What did happen that night? The killer stabs Bunny and then leaves through the hole in the bottom of my closet. Bunny said 14 savage. Kreps is a glitter guy. But why would Kreps kill Bunny? I mean, did he want her painting? There's no way that you could pull off a murder this sophisticated. I said that's enough. If I'm so stupid, how come I was able to land the smartest woman on the planet? Every night I go to the local bar and grill the chicken chug. This all has something to do with all is not okay in Oklahoma. You should let this go. You don't know what she's capable of. You don't know what she'd do to get what she wants. Seriously, you're that terrified of a podcaster who solved the murder of Becky Butler? Yes. Why? Because I'm Becky Butler. Well, shit. All right. So before I start to nitpick a lot, and maybe more than nitpick, actually, this season of the show, for anybody who wants to get our opinion in detail on each one of these episodes, you can go back. We actually published coverage of the first three episodes of this second season of Only Murders in the Building, plus, of course, the entirety of the first season. So check our backlog for those if you're curious. But my general opinion is, uh, you know, and I think Sona's going to back this up. We were so enthusiastic when we saw the first two episodes. <laughs> we were like, wow, I can't believe I missed these characters so much. Mm -hmm. You can see us just like lavishing this show with love. And then uh, the third episode was really interesting. It did something that the show has done in the past where it humanized Bunny Folger, someone who's kind of a one-dimensional 
and not a villainous, but kind of a villainous in the show. And they really humanized her here mm-hmm. in that third episode. And then I even had to call it out, even when we weren't covering it, when we were talking about Better Call Saul. And everybody check out that coverage. That show just wrapped up. <laughs> so check our backlog for those if you did watch Better Call Saul. But I was even calling it out during those recaps saying like, wow, now, you know, Lucy's shown up and this kind of daughter figure for for Charles. Mm-hmm. And then she also shows them that there's this, you know, creepy character who was there the night of the murder. And there's these secret passageways. And we see flashbacks to Charles's dad and how he tied into this. And he spent some time in prison and he was involved with this artist. And we also see, for example, in the flashbacks that the architect who designed these secret passageways is like spying on people through two-way mirrors and things. So I was like, wow, this show is about to go in a way more fascinating direction. And it kind of some of the things I love about Alfred Hitchcock's classic Rear Window, where you're just seeing people living in the city and they're like living in public, but they're having these private lives. So I'm like, wow, this is so exciting. They're going to go in the direction of Rear Window and all these other things. I Maybe my ambitions were set way too high. And then this is going to come back to that recommendation, by the way. We follow that up with a very entertaining episode, which was called The Tell. And it's when they all get together and they play that killer uh, game. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out who might be the killer here in this room. And I thought the flashbacks to the 70s was very funny. The summer of uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's all the first five episodes. All really, really solid work as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and then we have five more episodes. And they are like really not very good at all. So, you know, like I said, th- those are kind of the episodes we did cover to some extent here on the show. And then. I mean, what happens on this show? We, you know, we have one red herring after another. We do not develop Charles's dad's backstory. I mean, I was kind of grateful, but it was kind of poor from a story construction perspective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they simplified the storyline. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, you can't just have all the, you can have something in there that doesn't pay off. But then you feel like a lot of what they introduce yeah. doesn't pay off Absolutely. at all. Like in any way. Mm-hmm. And that's even the episode, by the way, where they have his body double break up with Jan, which is very entertaining. But it's the same thing there. It's just almost like they brought in these people and now they're just not part of the story anymore. And it's not like they're replacing it with these revel- uh, revelations. <laughs> I mean, there are revelations, but the big revelations come all in the final episode. I like Tina Fey's character basically saying <laughs> that calling it like a Scooby-Doo episode at the end, because it really is. <laughs> it straight up is like kind of like everything's on the table in the last minutes of the last episode and they scooby-doo this whole shit to quote dr strange but that last episode did have some great moments i will say i think all right so, so tell me about that because i want to get your perspective because maybe i agree with you that the individual i don't think it had great moments from a story construction perspective but i think it yes. had great moments from an entertainment perspective i mean i think yeah. again like the physical comedy yes. that slow-mo Martin is capable of. Yes. I mean, amazing. First of all, just the whole premise that she doesn't like slow-mo. Slow-mo is upsetting for her. She's on the verge of tears when she sees the replay of a football game or whatever it was, is a hysterical concept to me, as well as she doesn't like tomatoes and the inside of tomatoes really squick her out. Um, And honestly, like I do know a lot of people that don't like tomatoes and I think it (laughs) is for that reason, but I don't think they're at the level that this character was at with not liking the tomatoes. So the dramatic um, cutting into the table, uh, into the tomato, which was like reminiscent of like torturing someone, right? Like (laughs) pulling out their fingernails one by one. He's like showing her the tomato, cutting into (laughs) the tomato. She's just getting progressively more traumatized. And then 
yes, the slow-mo starting with, you know, just a couple of them. And then like the <laughs> whole party going into slow-mo, I thought was like so entertaining, so well done. So I really appreciated that. I will say when Charles got stabbed, I actually gasped. I really did. <laughs> so those moments were redeeming for me. The story, though, I think was just uh, chaos. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it from that perspective. I do agree that, but I will be critical that even in the back half, that there were less of these really funny lines. I think overall, this back half was less funnier. Yes. 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 I, less funny. Sorry. Less funnier? <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. That's kind of where I feel that the show was so lacking. I felt like they were spinning out these episodes to draw out the story, like to really extend the, se the season. That's fine. But just pack that with jokes, right? Like, just yes, it last year, it felt like the jokes were fast and furious. So you would miss stuff right. like you would be exactly. so busy thinking about the last joke that you would miss the next joke. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that was not the case here at all. Yeah. And I mean, and just to get to the finale and by the way, so we're going to spoil it now, but just the revelation of who the killer is, is so ridiculous to me because it's once again, just lazy to bring it up in the very end. Even those payoffs, by the way, like when they're saying that these are her weaknesses, they should have planted those seeds earlier in the season that they literally introduced it like five minutes before it's mm. in the episode. I thought was mm -hmm. even that was kind of like, it's just that you see the jokes coming a mile away because as soon as she says that, you know, it's going to pay off in like two scenes. Mm -hmm. right? So that was a little disappointing just for once again, from the construction of the show. But worse than that is once again, maybe I'm, you know, I, I'm like kicking a puppy here because this is a show that just wants to be loved. And I, uh, you know, am I trying to hold it up to a, a higher standard, but it's like, even just the revelation of the killer is so ridiculous. Like when they supposedly kill Charles and she's mm -hmm. just there in the room, like packing up the equipment, like, wouldn't she be the person to be like, well, this, none of this is true. Tara's yeah, that part is not the killer. Like, yes. That part was a little strange. Wouldn't she be like, I'm going to get duck out of here because whatever just happened here, uh, you know, I don't want to be any part of it because they got the wrong killer and uh, they murdered them in front of me. And uh, that's going to probably like, I probably don't want to be around for this whole thing. And instead she just hangs out there knowing that everything just played out was completely wrong. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like none of it makes any sense. I agree. I will say I like the idea that the premise of like Cinda Canning's fame yeah. is based on this idea of like how she ran away and then created this story and all of that. Like I thought that was good. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure where we made the jump though from that to her deciding to murder Bunny. <laughs> right, um, right. Like, it seems like a bit of a leap. I mean, I understand the motivation, but I'm not sure it's believable. Also, maybe this was explained. How did she know about the passageways behind the building? Oh, they, they said it so briefly. It was like the cop knew about it from, I forget what. I mean, it literally is. They, it was explained. Though. It's as if it was like a plot hole and they're like, we need to throw in a uh -huh. line of dialogue okay. i think it's when they're in bed together and he says some he says something to her about the passageways in the building and, oh, and that's okay. and that's all I, I had a whole list of things which i can't remember off the top of my head but as i was watching them this is no there what, were problems i i'm with you i mean the red herrings of like you know they introduce howard's boyfriend or this love interest just to have him sneeze and they have that whole sequence mm -hmm. in the episode mm -hmm. being like okay so, and then you're like okay well now they're planning to see this is another red herring we're going to find out this guy's shady in some way because that happens like with three episodes to go in the show and no we just wanted to throw another suspect 
to keep the show interesting because we never circled back to that at all. I'm just like, what What was all that about? It's, mm-hmm. it's so messy. It really feels, honestly, whoever set things up at the beginning of the season was not running the show at the end because it's like we're just going to ignore all the setup mm-hmm, <laughs> in the beginning, mm-hmm. introduce yeah. a new suspect at the end. And, yeah. uh, and then, of course, just do a little switch where it's like we have, um, you know, is it Cindy Canning or is and, and then it's just like, haha, no, but almost it's Poppy, you know, so it's like, OK, so I do agree what you were saying that it is somewhat interesting to have Cinda Canning potentially there as someone who's like creating the stories for themselves. So that's actually interesting. Yeah. I thought that was good. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the point at all. But I thought it was good. It was a nice backstory. I also thought that it was like, once again, they bring this actor who plays Theo, who's like such a sympathetic character on screen. And they mm-hmm. have a really strong episode really just because of his performance between him and Mabel, and then it's just like, okay, so how does he tie into the rest? He doesn't. It. it just doesn't. Tie. I'm like, oh, I don't get. I don't know what they're doing here. I really don't know what they're doing. Oh, very nice moment. I'm just trying to find good things to say right now. Very nice moment <laughs> between um, Martin Short and his son. Yes. Yeah. That was very moving. And that's yet another thing, by the way, that they threw in this season that could potentially be like, well, is there something being hidden there? I mean, we literally have his son have a voiceover very early in this, maybe second episode, maybe about how he is keeping a secret from his dad, which is, a, you know, the identity of his father. It's like something he's not even aware of, right? So they mm-hmm. kind of t- maybe makes you think, well, maybe this somehow ties into it. And like you said, other than it being thematic, well, you are my dad because you raised me, which of course is very sweet. But beyond <laughs> that, <laughs> but beyond that, it's like, okay, but yeah, this is just so many weird red herrings that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I that's the same episode where he finds out about his paternity or we suspect the thing about the paternity we see theo and him having that blow up inside their house you know and then we have charles's dad it's like is this about fathers and sons and if it was i kind of missed <laughs> all that thematic through line because i kind of missed all that just really messy i just thought this was so messy and really kind of spoiled a lot of the goodwill that i had for the show i mean honestly given the low bar for <laughs> for you know the entertainment value on the show i would probably continue to watch it just for the laughs here and there but uh, I just feel like they had a lot of potential here to once again, like they did in season one, and kind of drop the ball as well. Speaking about the alienation of b- living in a city, of being mm-hmm. someone of a certain age, of being an empty nester, and someone who's past their prime, who's had this career and is now in the back end of their lives and trying to find meaning in their lives. Right. So, I mean, once again, I thought this was very interesting. And they definitely put it in there and then they don't do anything with it. <laughs> so, it's kind of uh, interesting. Thing. But Selena Gomez looked very pretty. She did. Yeah, she looked. Good. <laughs> I'm just trying to balance you out. <laughs> so we get a, a teaser for next season at the end where we flash forward a year. Everybody, you know, at the beginning of the season, they've kind of teased out that everybody got what they wanted, but they, it all had a caveat. Like, you know, Brazos mm-hmm. is back, but he's like, it gets one line of dialogue and he sits in a wheelchair. But now he's a but big he's star. out of the wheelchair he's at the, the end. Wheelchair. Exactly. Yeah, so. Oliver gets a show to produce. Mm-hmm. Starring a Broadway show, yeah. mm-hmm. starring Brazos. I mean, or, or Charles, and I guess Mabel's just in a better place. Oh, and of course, Charles is actually in a relationship, which apparently, even though we flash forward a year, Charles is still in this relationship because she's there, right? Opening night, right. Andrea Martin. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that is where things end up, and of course, we have Paul Rudd here in a cameo who dies on stage, and right after having a ugly interaction with Charles's character, I know what you did to her. You stay away from her or something like that. I know what you did. I know what you did. Yeah. So that sets things up for the next season. I was going to ask you if you 
think there's what speculate on what that mystery might be. But I will tell you, given what I saw in this show, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's any plan now. They just literally had that one scene and they're like, we're going to reverse engineer the the next couple months. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So overall, what'd you think of the season? I enjoyed it. You know, I watched a couple of episodes at a time for these last few weeks, and I definitely missed the pace of the jokes, the cleverness of the jokes from, from prior episodes. I have grown more attached to the characters. So I was able to see it through, I think, because of my, you know, I wouldn't say I'm so invested in them, but some little investment to see what happens. But I just don't understand why things had to be so complicated. I agree. You either keep it really streamlined, keep the mystery in the background uh, or develop it, like develop some of these themes. I mean, also, let me just add in. Remember, we were like, who's going to play the paint, the painter, right? right? Yes, like, yes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the same person in yep. the end. Like, did right. we need this? You so know? lazy. Yeah, I, but, I agree. Um, so lazy. Also, very sweet painting of Charles and his father. Just yeah. trying to look for moments here. <laughs> yes, um, yes. That was a lovely painting. You know, stuff like that. That was just kind of like, did we need this? I don't right. understand. There, there could have been a big payoff for something like that. Right. But there wasn't with the plot being what it was. Uh, why why so many why so much stuff you know yeah i mean you could see this being you know taking the the complexity of the first half and all the threads that they have there and you could see them developing it they had plenty of space they had a 10 episode season right so they had plenty of space to develop those themes or the opposite like you said you can imagine them still having the walkways behind the walls but let's say things like someone is messing with them, right? Like not only does the murder weapon show up, but other things start happening. And then it's only late in the game that we find out that there's this killer who's stalking them within the walls. And we could even see the killer at different times where we know and they don't. And then it becomes like more of like an actual thriller. So there are ways you could have stripped this down and made it much more and then put more jokes in there, like you said. And, and that's a really big thing that when I was editing our episodes last season and we were covering this week to week, I would excerpt so many jokes from yeah. So I would have to mm-hmm. pick the lines I wanted to mm-hmm. include because there were so many. And not that I was doing that this season, but I would literally just watch the episodes and think about like, what would I take as a intro dialogue to uh, for our episodes? And I could not think of anything. You know, there might be some physical humor. There might be a little, like a little bit of a reaction that was funny, but nothing I would excerpt for the show, you know, like, that would right. kind of play just as funny right. dialogue. And uh, that's across the board. I feel like even... At the end, like you said, the physical comedy at the end is very entertaining, but that's about it. That's the most memorable thing for that yeah. episode. Also, the Lucy stuff, they could have yes. done so much more. Yes. I, I oh my God, so much more. They bring her in and do nothing with her. What was the point? Yeah. I don't feel like she added anything the way they brought her in. Yeah, that's another example. And I was thinking perhaps, you know, even to have her there as just at risk, you know, just a damsel in distress in the building. And I, I remember texting you saying like, oh, this could be like a real tense episode next week. And even that, they didn't even allow that to be a tense episode. They basically find her right away and there's someone there, but you know, they run away for, from that person for like a minute or two. But I'm like, that's it. That's all you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of opportunity to set up a black hat in the city. I mean, there's been so many movies that are black hat in the city movies, right? That are terrifying. <laughs> so it's like, I, I don't know how they missed that opportunity also. <laughs> yeah. A lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. You don't have to be nervous. I- I'm not nervous. Wow, they so impressive. You're impressive. They're gonna be obsessed with you. They're not as nihilistic as they look on the internet. You guys, this is me. Oh, whoa. Is this your first relationship? 
I'm gonna you just kind of give that vibe. Oh, you know that has weed in it, right? Who wants to play bodies, bodies, bodies? So how do you play? If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Let's go. Cool. And if you're the murderer, you have to kill someone by touching them on the back. The most important part, if you come across a body, you have to yell, Body, body, body! Is that the lights? Is dead. Someone's doing this. They're trying to kill us off one by one. That would be so obvious if I were the killer. Taking off my clothes in the window for the neighbor. Where are you? All right, at this point in the episode, we transition to that recommendation I've been teasing Bodies, 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 which is currently available in movie theaters and should be available to rent relatively soon. And what I forgot to do on mic, but I have recommended it to Sona after the fact. Given her enthusiasm for that film, Bodies, 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 I did have a recommendation of something that everybody could watch right now. So if you've seen Bodies, 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 and you really appreciate it, what it does there as far as having these friends dismantle this friendship, suppose it, this toxic friendship between them. And if you find that entertaining, there's a British film called All My Friends Hate Me, which came out earlier this year, got very positive reviews, and is now available to stream on Hulu. So if you're a Hulu subscriber, and most of you are, give that a watch. This is definitely not for everybody, but if you're someone who avoids horror because you, you don't like jump scares, you don't like a lot of gore, don't worry about it. You're safe hands here. This is much more of a psychological comedy in a lot of ways, wherein our protagonist, Pete, is reuniting with some college friends. He hasn't seen them in a while, and he just feels like there is this kind of toxic animosity between them. And is it all in his head? Is this for real? Are they all gaslighting him? Or is he really experiencing all these bad experiences? It's very psychological. And a lot of the comedy comes from that, whether he's really experiencing something or not, whether he's actually reacting to something or if it's all in his head. So if that appeals to you, I would recommend this film. And in general, if you liked Bodies, 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 if you've seen it and you liked it, I would recommend you watch this as well. If you like really gory slasher films, this is not for you, by the way. I mean, you might appreciate it, but don't expect that going in because that's not the kind of film it is. And that's what's really interesting to me about horror, by the way. Everybody has kind of a different definition of what horror is. <laughs> so no one's ever happy. You may have noticed that like, you may love a horror film if you're a fan of horror and your friends don't like it because there's all these different expectations as to what a horror film is. And I think that is part of my fascination with it is seeing what people are get scared by and what their expectations of a scary movie is. Or maybe it's all expectations. Anyway, so that is All My Friends Hate Me. And that's available on Hulu. And with that out of the way, let's get into my mini review of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. All right. So here's my recommendation. I don't know if you have anything to recommend after this, but, and I did want to tie it in here because I just saw this movie. And of course, there's an episode of this season of Only Murders in the Building where it's called The Tell, where Oliver is playing this um, killers, I guess it's called, card game where, you know, there's someone in the room is a killer. And it's yeah. like, you know, whether it's Werewolves Within or Mafia, it's one of these versions. Or like the kids now, my kids and the neighbors, they play Among Us, which is the base same, same thing where you're a crew member or you're an, you know, an alien in disguise. And then they mm -hmm. basically play the same game. You have to guess who is the you know, imposter among you. Mm -hmm. So this is a very common game, which is very popular right now, like I said, among kids. And uh, anyway, the 
recommendation I have that I just saw this week is based on that premise. It's the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Have you heard about this? I am hearing a lot about it, yet I know nothing about it somehow simultaneously. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you the premise. I'm not giving away anything here, but it's a bunch of friends who get together. It's not a college reunion. It's actually a bunch of wealthy millennials. I believe they're millennials or maybe Generation Z, somewhere in there. And they are getting together at Pete Davidson, who plays one of the characters, at his parents' mansion. They're all upper middle class or rich. Well, I do love Pete Davidson. (laughs) Do you really? Yeah, I sincerely do. I know okay. it sounded very sarcastic. It did. My, my I couldn't read that. I couldn't read that. There. I know. I was actually sincere. <laughs> so many problems in my life due to my tone of voice. <laughs> I had to circle back to just be certain about how I would read that. No, as soon as I heard myself, I knew I had to clarify. <laughs> well, I love Pete Davidson. <laughs> Oh, and so they're at Pete Davidson's parents' mansion and they all end up there because a hurricane is coming in. So they're having a hurricane party and they're doing drugs and they're getting wasted and they're having a good time. But as is often the case in these type of movies, there's a lot of- There's a murder. (laughs) Well, before then, there's a lot of animosity that kind of starts Uh, playing out in this friend circle. They start playing bodies, 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 which is the exact same premise as all these other (laughs) stories that Mm -hmm. apparently are circling around right now. That uh, same idea where, you know, you basically turn out the lights- and someone is the killer amongst you. And if you get touched in the back, then that means you're dead and you have to play dead. And then you have to have to try to figure out who it is. And during this game of bodies, 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 you start seeing all of this animosity between these friends starts to play out and things get ugly. Then the hurricane hits and the lights go out for real. And then there's a dead body. And then who is the killer? And then it gets more and more complicated from there. And it is very funny. Very satirical. It's like a lot of commentary on the way we live our lives right now. A lot of social media commentary, a lot of like uh, language policing, even though they're like basically accusing someone of being a murderer, but they still have to be very careful about their language. <laughs> very, very entertaining. <laughs> so a lot of this type of critique of this generation, by the way, but I think about all of us now kind of being in these perhaps toxic friendships still. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it How has... do I watch this? I need to watch this. <laughs> it's in theaters, unfortunately. Oh, Victor. <laughs> but, but it's from A24. They've kind of become the gold standard for having these well-reviewed horror movies and other films as well. I mean, they just had, for example, the huge success with everybody, Everything Everywhere all, all at Once, which just made like $100 million or something. So they make all different types of movies. But in general, they get very well-reviewed. But they have kind of specialized in these art house, if you want to call them art house. This is not really art house. This is very entertaining. Uh, horror movies. But anyway, the reason I bring all that up is because normally what they do is the movies come out for like a month or so, and then they go straight to streaming. This just expanded nationwide this past weekend, like it was mm-hmm. fully nationwide, and it's doing pretty well, but not great. It's doing okay. So I would predict within the next week or two, keep your eyes peeled because it will be available to rent at home. I would assume. Hmm. Anyway, but I would recommend if you catch this in theaters, everybody should see it in theaters. It's a lot of fun. It sounds is- great. Oh, and the thing I was going to say, the reason I love this so much, and your mileage may vary, but the reason I love this so much is because it has two like ideas for a movie that I have never been able to put together. And one was this idea of the resolution of the movie, which I will not go into any detail here at all, but mm-hmm. it has a very clever resolution. And I had always had this idea in my head and could never reverse engineer the story from it. And they just use it perfectly here in this movie. It's really, really entertaining and just, just hilarious. Oh my God. Lee Pace, by the way, Lee Pace, do you know who Lee Pace is? Of course. Lee Pace. Oh, of course. From uh, Pushing Daisies, right? Mm-hmm. 
So Lee Pace shows up and he is like in his 40s, like he is. And this girl brings him, you know, this 20 something year old girl <laughs> brings him as like a Tinder hookup to be at the party. So he's like the outsider in this group of toxic friends. Right. Uh -huh. But he's also like of a different generation. So he doesn't know what they're mm -hmm. talking about. But he's also a total goofball. Like he's just like a and every time he is on screen, he is like perfect. He's either absolutely mm -hmm. hilarious. There is one scene that takes place near the midpoint of the movie where it goes from really, really funny to really, really dark. And he makes the whole scene work. It's like so great. Like he's just incredible in it. Uh, Pete Davidson's fine. You know, he is just doing his usual shtick, but good. Right. He's, I would you know, imagine yeah. playing him, playing that role to a T. And uh, but everybody does a great job. But I just want to call Lee Pace just for being, you know, just MVP. But everybody's great. In it. We have uh, Maria Bakalova, who played the daughter in the new Borat movie which mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. she got an Academy Award nomination for that. So mm -hmm. you know, here she is again, giving another really good performance uh, in a very different kind of vein, much more understated. But everybody's great here. You know, you have Amanda Steinberg is really good. Rachel Sennett, who was in Shiva Baby, which is available on HBO Max, if you want to check that out. Very entertaining. But I just want to call it Lee Pace because he's just like, you know, just perfect in this role. Like just, you know, in a mm -hmm. different kind of way, you really haven't mm -hmm. seen him play this kind of role before and just so entertaining, like just so great. Yeah, so I recommend it very highly. It sounds great. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's funny because the word of mouth is very mixed on it, but it goes back to circling all the way back to what you said at the start. This is a show made. I mean, this is a movie written and directed by it is a first time director. She's an actress, but she hasn't directed before. First time uh, writer, this woman who wrote this screenplay as well. And I think they're like millennials and they're really mm -hmm. aggressively attacking these kind of like the millennial culture. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think it's funny that like the word of mouth is, mouth is very mixed because I think like older people are like, these people are all annoying. And I'm like, well, that's the point. And then yeah. younger people are younger people are kind of like, well, why are they making fun of us so bad? It's like, well, you know, <laughs> well, you know we're, we're all kind of on our phones too much, you know, <laughs> just one joke, which I think is great in the, sh in the movie. And it just speaks to just how we live our lives right now is that, when they show up at the mansion, there literally is a table covered with every kind of imaginable light utensil in case the power goes out, like flashlights all over the place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in the course of the movie, when they're all running around trying to figure out what the hell's going on, they're always using their phone flashlights. Like nobody picks up the flashlight. You're going <laughs> to kill your battery. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but of course, that's what we would all do, right? Who doesn't pop, right. pop up the phone for the flashlight every time? Mm -hmm. right? Even though you know that battery is always halfway discharged. So. Anything uh, you've seen recently that you want to recommend? Well, I have uh, something that I actually have already recommended, but the new season is out. So I, I will know. say um, the most recent season of Never Have I Ever yep. is out. I have not yet watched the final episode, but um, for the rest of the season, I would say the first four episodes were a little bit iffy. But after that, um, and it's a half hour show, so it's not. It's not four hours of episodes. It's two hours of episodes. Um, after that, it really takes off beautifully. I think the first four episodes, you know, they lay a lot of groundwork. There is a lot of awkwardness, you know, teenage awkwardness. But um, it, it still held me. There was no point that I thought about giving up. The same show that I have known and loved that is so great at resonating with everybody's inner teenager um, and recreating that high school kind of feeling. Um, I'm just really, really enjoying it. And the reason I haven't watched the last episode yet is because I'm like saving it to savor. So, so yeah, I definitely, um, you know, I think Mindy Kaling can do no wrong, but she really uh, continues to hit it out of the park, I think. I've heard really good things about that. Still have not seen any of it. My wife's seen a little bit of it <clears throat> the first season. So great. 
And she so did like great. it as well. I think she just has very limited time to watch anything. Uh, yeah. So everybody check that out. I've, like I said, heard nothing but good things about it. Unfortunately, I have not caught up on that show, but I really should at least sample it at this point. It's so great. I mean, honestly, while I could see why you would not be the demographic for it, because <laughs> right. it is about a teenage girl. I think my husband, while he would never, if he were home alone, he would not say, I'm going to turn on Never Have I Ever and watch it. But if he sees me watching it, he will sit down with me and watch it because it is that entertaining. Well, you know what? I would say that I still would give it a sample because I actually watched Miss Marvel and that was basically like a John Hughes movie, uh, uh-huh. definitely geared at teenage girls mm-hmm. intentionally. Like that was the style of the film of the series and it got great reviews and I really enjoyed it. You know, like they, uh, like, I think I mentioned to you at one point, there's like three generations of these Pakistani women who are like kind of resolving their issues they've had culturally while giving each other foot massages. And I'm like, who thought this would be an MCU show, <laughs> but that's where we're at. And Hey, more power to them. Let's, you know, yeah, let's, have, absolutely. let's change it up as much as we can. So, uh, but I, I did enjoy that. And like I said, I would openly say that I'm watching it going like, yeah, this is totally, totally geared for teenage girls. And it was very entertaining. So I'm not going to say anything about it. I will, you know, reserve my judgment and check out that show, which I've heard is excellent. Yeah. And I think they do um, do their part to try and, be relevant to male viewers as well with, you know, John McEnroe being one of the narrators, Andy Samberg is a different narrator. Um, uh, the male characters there are very relatable too, I think. So something for everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in this, we, in this slot next week, stay tuned. We're going to be checking out the patient three episodes of the patient, but only half an hour each. So luckily for us. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Show. And thank God. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And then one week, I mean, one episode per week after that. So make sure you subscribe so you know when that comes becomes available. And of course, we will continue to cover the Game of Thrones show, the prequel, House of the Dragon. Cool. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.